0: I'm Megan. And I'm Elise. And you're listening to The Connection Podcast. This is a space where we empower one another in harnessing our divine feminine energy through community, sisterhood, and curiosity.
1: Join us each week as we explore spirituality, entrepreneurship, female community, health and wellness, and more. For more content, follow us on Instagram at The Connection Pod. Hello, hello. Hi, friends. Welcome.
0: We are so excited to have you back today with our second guest and our mentor and pretty much the love of our life, Kim (laughs) Salter with Design Thought Studio.
1: Hopefully she would agree with that. Oh, she absolutely would. She absolutely would. (laughs) We had to have Kim come on this podcast for a couple of reasons. One, because we just love her so much and she's an amazing Woman in the spiritual community in Nashville, but also she was kind of the catalyst to us starting this podcast. Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit, Meg? And honestly, Kim's kind of a catalyst for a lot of connections, especially
0: female connections in the community of Nashville, and hopefully very soon beyond Nashville, even though I want to keep her to myself. Um, so Kim actually was the one who really initiated the thought behind the connection podcast um, after hearing um, my guest episode on Elise's podcast, the grief awakening, which if you haven't heard, please listen, she just wrapped her wrapped up her first season and yeah. it's wonderful. And Kim, after hearing that um, said, you have to do this. There's together. something there.
1: Yeah. yeah. And we agree. We it was agree. Super fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so Kim really is just that staple for not only our friendships, and she's the one that introduced us, but also the staple for what we're trying to accomplish here, which is connecting females in our community, female unity, empowerment, and of course, our curiosities and spirit.
1: Absolutely. Kim is an EFT practitioner, an intuitive coach, a medium, she helps people build spiritual businesses. She helped me start and grow my business and help me get kind of get on the right energetic path with the kind of people that I want to call into my work. Um, and so we're definitely going to be talking about that today.
0: Yes. Yes. And we're so
1: excited for you guys to get to know her. She's so amazing. Um, if you want more of Kim, you can check out episode 10 on Grief Awakening. We talked about losing her mom and more about spirituality in that episode. And she'll be back. She'll be a reoccurring guest. Yeah, we were talking about that with her. We're like, I think you need to come on like once a month or something. Yeah,
0: (laughs) we need to have like a Kim's Corner. I pitched that last night. We'll see if she'll sign on. We'll see. But we hope you enjoy this episode. And if you have any questions, please contact us in the info notes below.
1: Yeah. Without further ado, this is our conversation with Kim Salter. Well, Kim, welcome to the Connection Podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with our
2: coffees in hand. You know all of us were just
0: gripping at the same time. I, I was like, so
2: where do we begin? there's so much, so yeah. much. But I'm yes. excited. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank
0: you for being here. We could not wait to get you on the podcast, of course. And as we told everybody in the intro, Kim is our mentor, friend, and sister in spirituality. And to start things off,
2: tell us about yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much. Where do I start? So I wasn't always in energy work. I wasn't always a medium. Well, I should first say I am an EFT practitioner. I am a clairvoyant medium. I am um, an energetic coach and um, soul business guide. So I help people who are starting their businesses get in alignment vibrationally um, to help their business grow, which I'm so passionate about. Um, but I wasn't always that. <laughs> I was... Um, an interior designer by trade. I went to art school. I don't know if you guys, you knew that. I don't know if you knew I that. I know Mike. that. So I went to art college, like a private art college. Ooh, with fancy. Um, it was fancy. <laughs> I thought I was so yeah. fancy. Are you kidding? Um, with a major in um, fine arts with a minor in interior design. And then worked for interior designers forever. And then moved to Manhattan. I'm giving you the shortened version. Moved to Manhattan and worked for an architect. And then worked for a tile company where I did tile design, which I freaking loved. That's so interesting. Down in Gramercy Park. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. And so we would be doing tile design. And then, you know, at lunches, we would walk over to the park and just, oh, it was that chapter in Manhattan was Do you miss your best.
1: life in New York? Like that, the vibe?
2: I don't miss it. I just appreciate it. Yeah. I really am like, we didn't have Kit. We didn't have Liam, our, our son at the time. And- Like New York is the place to be without kids. A lot of people do it with kids, but for us, we were 27, you know, Grant, my husband Grant worked in the city also. So we would, you know, stay late after work and just take the train back. We lived outside of the city. So it was so much fun, but it was just a different life, you know, but I, um, in New York, I sat in a, um, motherhood circle once I had Liam, our son, and everything started to open up then. Like I was in a circle of women. I felt so supported. I've always known I was psychic. I saw, um, ghosts in my room when I was little. And Elise has a podcast where I talk about that just a little bit. Mm -hmm. She can maybe put the episode in the show notes or something. Um, so I always knew I was psychic. And there is a lot of instances, even in Manhattan, where my psychic abilities were just running wild because there's so much intensity there. I can't imagine yeah. just the chaos of it everything. Was, yeah. It's so intense. And I didn't know anything about, like I hadn't worked with a mentor yet. I didn't know I was full on interior design. So mm-hmm. I really didn't even consider how it should come about what the, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know about consent, spiritual consent. I didn't know about anything. Um And then fast forward to after I had our son I was a motherless mother. My mom had passed when I was 24, and I was in the deep throes of grief, and synchronicity brought me into this beautiful women's group. It was a motherhood group, and so all of us there were moms, Um, and the facilitator just literally changed my life. She let us bring our babies if we were nursing, and we just passed a talking stick. I had never been involved in anything like that before. Yeah. Like- You got to talk as long as you wanted to, and you were heard. How did you find that? Like, It was, I mean, I say it's synchronicity because, of course, everything is. But I had a neighbor who rode the train with us into the city, and she had had a baby eight weeks before us. And through someone she knew, she had heard about this motherhood group, and she was like, do you want to do this with me? And so I started with just like as a friend going with her Mm -hmm. so she didn't have to go by herself. And the moment I stepped into that circle, it changed my life, like literally. And I know that sounds so dramatic, but no, we love
1: dramatic. did you know? Did you think that, like, going in that this would be a spiritual experience, or was I didn't it, even know? Or was it just like community, like women because gathering to talk? And things?
2: I, here's the thing: I was a brand new mom, so yeah. I didn't even really know about play dates and like. So I didn't have any expectation. I was told that it was at a yoga studio. So in my mind, what I had imagined is that we would be sitting around talking about motherhood. Mm -hmm. That's what I, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a mom now. Let's talk about motherhood. I don't have, you know. Yeah. And when I got there, I just will always remember the first time that I went to circle we sat down and we were in these little supportive chairs that were on the floor that I had never seen before. And it was just so nice. And the facilitator led us through a meditation where we separated for a moment, the interior version of ourselves from the interior version of our baby. Oh, wow. And I was like, what, what happening? Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, it's the first time I was like, Oh my gosh. But doing that, it also unlocked even more grief because I was then also like in my mind separated from my mom who had passed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Did this circle kind of, did it ever feel like this was your mom being there for you as a mom, like giving you this circle, maybe leading you to this circle?
2: Yeah. I feel like after many years after. When I was definitely like in the depths of being a spiritual leader and doing sessions, you know, working in my intuition, I can look back and be like, oh, it wasn't the circle that she placed in front of me. It was my friend Mm -hmm. who asked me to come there as support. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so, anyway, I know this is a long story, but fast forward (laughs) to we moved from Manhattan, we moved to Nashville. And my son was in like a Mother's Day out uh, with Ramona Reed and Joni Johnson's um, uh, daughter. And shout out to Ramona. We just went to her foundation dinner and- um That's amazing. Yeah, last night for the Frequency Center. Um, but prior to the Frequency Center, she was the founder of Nashville Center for Alternative Therapy. Well I was in Nashville, the moment I got here, I started my own women's circle because there was none and I was shocked. One of the first things I did was look for a mother circle or a women's circle in East Nashville and there wasn't any. Mm -hmm. And I was so I was like floored. Those are hard to come by. I couldn't believe it. And so I started my own and we used to gather at Cali Yuga Yoga in the very beginning. And I put it out on what used to be like the um like Google Listserve. This was like 10 years ago, nine years ago now. Yeah. And I really thought that maybe a couple of people would show up. And the first one I put out, there was 14 people that signed up immediately. No kidding. And I was like, oh, okay. So Nashville needs this. Yes. So within that circle, I did um, EFT tapping and um, little rituals like for the full moon and also passing of the talking stick and that type of thing. Um, And... Fast forward to being at a Mother's Day out pickup. Ramona came up to me. I didn't know her very well at all. I just knew she was, um, her daughter's mom. And she said, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I hear that you do a women's circle. And I was like, I do. And she said, I also hear that you do EFT tapping in that circle. And I was like, I do. And she told me that she was starting a new holistic Center called Nashville Center for Alternative Therapy. And she asked if I'd be willing to be the EFT practitioner there. And I promptly said, no way. Really? <laughs> because I had an interior design business oh. that I started in Nashville and was very um, successful. And I was like, absolutely not. I was just not in the mindset for that. I was like, I've been an interior designer for at that point almost like 18, 19 years. Mm -hmm. There's no way I'm gonna be like an EFT practitioner, although EFT changed my life and changed my life back in Manhattan in circle. Were Um, you just
1: using it for you at that point and then like in your circle?
2: Yeah. So tapping when I learned tapping in that motherhood circle, it changed the way that I moved through my grief. It changed the way that I worked with my body. And the moment I did it in circle, I was like, I have to teach this to women. This is something that has to be taught. It's such an easy modality to learn and Mm -hmm. to do on your own. And so when I started Circle in um, East Nashville, it was something that I'm i like, I have this group of 14 women. They have to know this modality. And so I wasn't doing it for the public just for Circle. I would help friends with it. And at that time, I wasn't even doing um, intuitive readings or anything other than just for my friends. That was it. Oh, wow. Like not for the public, Not no one even, my family knew, but no one else knew. Which
0: is wild for me to hear because me I too. know you in a totally different I way. I was I like, know. why were you doing this? I know. Yeah. Um, that is wild to me. So for, for EFT, for those of you who don't know what EFT is tapping, can you just, you know, briefly go into that? Because that's becoming more and more popular, especially yeah. on social media, just like breath work is. Yes.
2: Yeah. So EFT is emotional freedom technique and it's a modality where we use the, um, the easiest way to explain it is acupressure points as we speak a script. And when we do that it um, helps us release blocks that are created when our amygdala flips and our fight or flight response happens. Um, and tapping can and will ease those blocks and remove them from your energetic field. So you can live with more flow. Yep. Um, it's just such a beautiful modality and it goes deep fast and people feel that release quickly. And it's just, it's such a beautiful modality. Um, so when Ramona asked me if I would do that for Nashville center and I said, no, she said, would you just be open then to potentially being a contact if I had any clients come in who are requesting EFT? And I said yes to being open. And then six months later, I was full-time EFT. (laughs) And I closed my interior design business and was full-time Yep. That's Stay at home and EFT practice. Yeah. It Which was- is so
0: nice because that gave you so much more time with Liam.
2: I had I have always been very conscious about my time. So even when I ran my interior design business, one of the reasons we moved to Nashville was because New York wasn't allowing us as a family to spend a lot of time together mm. because of the train schedules. And it was just crazy. Yeah. Liam was three when we moved here. he's was okay. about to turn 14. Um so even with interior design, it was at night. It was, um, only when Liam could be with, his, you know, with my husband at home. Yeah. So it didn't change that too much. But what it did change is my level of pressure in my body, the stress relief. I was already feeling I was staying with interior design because I was successful at it. But yep. it was getting very, very hard for me, like years before, even in Manhattan, when I would get phone calls from people crying that pillows didn't come in correctly. And I was like... I remember that mm, story. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm gotta. like, 33 of your 34 pillows for your yacht came yes. in, r- like, right. Time. Yes. <laughs> One of them is going to be two weeks late. Yeah. And I got a crying, crazy phone call. And that really changed the trajectory for me.
0: Isn't that insane? Like, that one, just that one moment was enough for you to be like, I'm done with this. Yeah. I'm just done. And yeah. you can feel it. Like, I had a similar experience recently, too, where it's like, I'm done with this. Yeah. I'm done serving yes. others. I'm going to do it for myself. Yep. I'm going to do it for my family. Yeah. Would you say that? Female unity, helping females, healing females, especially new moms. Do you think that might have been the catalyst to kind of have, have you jump into owning your
2: own, I guess, alternative business? You know, I've always, because I was already running, um, sisterhood circle. Uh huh. That's always been at the forefront for me of, I was, let me back up. I was lucky that I was raised in a family where the women were so close and I've always had very close girlfriends. So I never had to reprogram for myself the trust with women. I've always had it. And what I started to notice is when I stepped more and more and more into being the EFT practitioner for National Center for Alternative Therapy. A lot of my clients were coming in to reprogram. The three things that people were coming in to reprogram was religious um, um, restructuring,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, trusting women and trusting themselves as women. Right? If we don't trust ourselves as a woman, we're not probably going to trust the women outside of us as well. And financial. Okay. Those were the three like scarcity yeah. mindset. Those were the three things when I first started. That I saw all the time. And so, yeah, I quickly, when I was, this is again, I was only doing tapping. I wasn't, which is wild to me, was not doing int- um, intuitive. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing medium work for the public. They didn't even, nobody knew. Ramona did, but nobody, none of my clients knew. Um, and so, even with tapping, I've seen that changed. I work with now, I work with a lot of people in grief, mm-hmm. um, like Elise does, and I work with. a a lot of people that are either in recovery or families of people in recovery.
0: Well, and you do such a beautiful job sitting with people, even as, you know, whenever I first met with you, maybe three, two and a half, three years ago, you really helped me find myself. You helped me find my inner voice because Mm -hmm. I think along, like throughout our lives, we, like as women, we lose that. It's either society, you know, mutes it men can mute it, whatever, whatever those standard stereotypes, whatever it is that like, we're putting this shoebox on us of being like, okay, well, you can only do this or this or that. And it mutes who you are. It mutes your, your voice and your passion. And you're afraid to speak out. Yeah. You're, you're afraid to, to like, really like live your true self and you help you really helped that flourish in people. Um, you've helped me realize, yeah, thank you. You've, (laughs) I mean, and I can't, you know, even there are so many girls now that I speak to, um, that are going through trials and tribulations. And I always think back, oh, I remember going through this and Kim helped me through Mm. X, Y, and Z.
2: And so like your message and your teachings are being shared as well. So it's just like, it's a ripple effect. Thank Thank you. I always do feel like that. I feel like it's, this also came from Sisterhood Circle back in New York. The facilitator, her name's Marin. She used to talk about how <clears throat> these circles, um, are planting seeds. Mm-hmm. And so I always hold that vision of like, even every single client, to be honest, Elise already knows this, but every single time I get an email that somebody scheduled, I am like in deep gratitude and I think of that as like a seed no matter what that is. Like I, it is a really intentional and important practice for me when that comes in. Yeah, And I really, it's one of my passions is to empower women to know their own power. Mm -hmm. Yep, I feel like what you're talking about, we, there's a lot of different avenues to get to the place where we're not in our own power, whether that's trauma or even, you know, I have my own stories and I wasn't in a traumatic childhood. Like, no matter what it is we experience, and I'll only talk about women, we experience things that close our voice for sure. Mm -hmm. And we, not everybody, but I'll, I'll just speak for me. I learned very quickly how to people please, how to quiet my own voice into shape shift. I was super good at shape shifting. I'm still super good at shape shifting. I have to call myself on it That's one of the things that I still Mm -hmm. work on is shape-shifting because I can make anyone feel comfortable. And I know in my body now when I'm doing that authentically, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: because it's coming from a nurturing place, I'm being authentic, or when I am mirroring or mimicking someone who is in a place that is lower frequency or it's still in their toxic behaviors, I can mimic that very quickly. And I have to make sure that I call myself on it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's still, it's yeah. probably something I'll always work on.
0: That's actually a, a wonderful way to describe that because I feel like that's always something that I've done as well. And I'm sure so many people listening will resonate with that. It's a perfect way to describe that. Yeah. You always say that like you're a recovering people pleaser. Yeah. And I'm also trying to transition into that phase as well, mm-hmm. but it's so true. And maybe, maybe that comes with the nurturing, um, you know, attitude of a woman or what that, what it's expected, but also, When we're younger, and this goes back to the point of you, you know, having to trust other, you know, you, you work with women having to trust self because they've lost trust with other women. Yeah. That really comes from that. I feel like a lot of the time, like we kind of lose ourselves because we've been rejected by female friendships. We've been, we're a community and we've been ostracized, Mm -hmm. right? And everyone's experienced that growing up in in some shape or form. Yeah. Um, So to really bring that back, but I think sometimes even shape-shifting
2: is like a survival tactic. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think most of us learn that for survival, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's a spectrum of survival, but when we're looking at it at the most basic level, survival is still being included in your intimate community or what we used to call tribe. Yep. Yeah. And so shape-shifting keeps us within the people that are deemed the safest, even if they're not safe. Yeah. For sure.
0: And then with you in this podcast, and we mentioned this in the intro, you really helped us have that motivation and that confidence to bring this because we were so pulled to unify women, to empower women, but we're students of yours. So Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of that came from that, you know, it's like, okay, like let's spread this to other people. Let's try to get it out. Yeah. So like you were really
2: the driving force. So we just couldn't Yay, wait to yeah, have you. Yeah. yeah so. As soon as I heard the two of you together, I was like, you, I mean, I think you both got so annoyed with me because I was like, when's the, you have to do a podcast. You have to do a podcast. When's it coming out? Yeah. yeah. When is it
0: coming out? You have I'm to okay get with it because it just kept like
1: that motivation going. Yeah.
2: yeah so it helped. Just excited
1: me. about it. But um, going back to your business, when yeah. did you, I know you were working with Ramona for like what, like eight years or something eight, like yeah, that? Yeah, like okay. seven and a half. When did you know you were ready to transition onto your own? And like, what yeah. did that, Process look like I feel like it was just before you and I met. Like it was 29th, end of yeah. twenty nineteen. actually, right? I
2: think you still came to me through Nashville Center. You know what? I yep. booked with you through Nashville. You Center. did. Yeah. So everything changed when the pandemic hit. Yeah. In twenty twenty, um, Nashville Centers bulk of their um, of their services were hands on. Right. And obviously, we know the whole world shut down, and massage wasn't even can't, an option actually Ac- <laughs> you know acupren um acupuncture was not an option anymore and i already had a well established business online mm-hmm. um through zoom for two and a half years prior to the pandemic um so my business kept growing when a lot of other businesses shut down and it was also a time where everybody was filled with fear and unknowing and um it just naturally grew because I had availability. I was already set up on zoom. I was accessible. Mm-hmm. Anybody could do it from their homes and everyone then also started to learn zoom. Like it, you know, yeah. just became part of our language. Um, and when it really started to change and take off is when I was basically working full time from my home while Liam was in virtual school and he was a fifth grader at the time. And it just didn't make sense anymore for me to um, not be on my own. Yeah. There was a lot of things, but ultimately it was just like this, it's time. I just knew it was time. And I did it on my own um, virtually for a little bit longer. I mean, we didn't even go out of virtual because of the pandemic, I think until maybe mid-2021.
1: Well, it was really until you got your office space. Yeah. Even like – and it was that would have been like September, August. Or August it was of August 2021. of 2021. Yeah. But even
2: prior to that though, I feel like we were there's a there, we were still closed down and then everything started opening up. Yeah. And I was like, I really need an office space. Yeah. But even for the office space that I have, um, I'm just gonna tell a little behind the scenes. <laughs> it's in a church, and I as I mentioned earlier, a lot of my clients were coming into me for EFT for religious reprogramming. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, <laughs> I'll look at this space, but there's no way that I'm going to take it. But I want to show the universe that I am ready for a space. Mm. And so I walked in with that preconceived expectation of like, this is just part of the process of me saying yes to the universe. Like putting I'm, the intention yes. out there. I'm, I'm taking action. And then I walked into my little space, which by the way is like nine by 10. It's tiny and it was a white box. There was nothing special about it. And I walked in and I was like, This is my space. (laughs) And I said yes right there. And I was like, okay. And it just has changed ever since. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just it has grown so much. It has
1: grown so much. And were you did you feel like your business was was set up already? Like financially. Yes. All that stuff to like move on your own? Like was the back end stuff all set up? Because you were contracting for Ramona, kind of. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was a contractor for National Center. So let me just sprinkle in there real quick. About year four with Ramona, she knew that I was intuitive and she knew I was a medium. And she's like, I think we should maybe offer that. And I was like, no, I'm too scared. And she's like, again, she's like, are you open to, you know, she's just a magical human. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm open to it. And very quickly, when I allowed myself to be seen for the public as an intuitive and a clairvoyant medium, that side of my business Overtook the tapping. Hmm. And at that point, it was like not a lot, but it was like 60% intuitive work mm-hmm. and 40% tapping.
0: Were you working with a mentor whenever? Mm-hmm. So do you still work with your mm-hmm. mentor? Do you still like reach yeah. out when you have? Yes. Okay. Yeah.
2: I feel like, and I'm also in therapy. Like mm. I am such a huge proponent and advocate for having a support system at every age, at every level for sure. Um, but let me get back to your question. You asked if I was established already before I got a a space. Yeah. Yes, in the sense that the backend stuff, the systems were in place, my business was running, but it still felt like a big leap for me. Like it still felt like, oh my gosh, this feels scary. Am I really ready for this? It was a full yes immediately, and then as it happens. Afterwards I was like, "Oh my god. Maybe I'm supposed to just stay online. Maybe maybe the world's not ready for me to have a space. Who's going to come into the physical space when we just are coming out of a pandemic?" But what I quickly found is that people were so tired of being on Zoom that they were craving being in person. Oh yes. Like just craving that intimate connection person to person. And so, yes, my business was already Running and the systems were in place, but it was not even close to where I'm at right now. Like it just exploded over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just telling someone else literally this morning as I was dropping my son off at airsoft camp. <laughs> um, <laughs> her sons are going too. I, when I was just starting my business and I was a stay at home mom and trying to start my business, I was working with a mentor and I was like, how can I do this? It was so hard, so hard. Meg, I've talked to you about this before Mm -hmm. because everything that I saw online and all the courses that I paid for for business was like, set up your schedule every day and post this many times a day. And here's how you launch a product or a service. And here's, you know, spend three hours on this day and four hours on this day. And as a stay-at-home mom, this isn't for everybody, but I could not do that.
1: So overwhelming. It's,
2: it was so overwhelming. I felt like I was being a horrible mom and an inefficient business owner. And it took me a minute to allow myself to understand that I'm just going to be doing it differently. Mm -hmm. And so that felt very lonely Mm -hmm. because all the support that was online at the time was a very traditional way of doing business. And that's when my, um, alignment with vibrational business started to change. And my mentor at the time told me that when my son gets older, a little bit into school age, so like first or second grade, she's like, you're going to be so happy that you spent this time building this foundation. She's like, it's going to suck probably until then. She's like, it's going to be hard. You're balancing two very important things. Mm-hmm. And for, still for me, you both know this, but mothering is my number one. Like like levels and levels and levels above anything else. Yeah. I will drop everything in a second, no matter what that means, to be a mom. Like yeah. there's nothing that compares to it. Even with my thriving business right now, I would close the doors tomorrow if I needed to, to be a mom. Like, yeah. There's no question about that.
0: That's so admirable too, because we live in a society that doesn't really support that very often. Fuck that society. <laughs> right. Oh, you guys should have seen the look she gave me. She's like, girl. Yeah. Let me talk about that. I feel that every day. I do I feel, feel like that every it's day. changing.
2: Yeah. I really do. Yeah. But
0: because people are standing up. Yes.
2: Yes. I also though think that it's changing because more women are being vocal. Mm-hmm. Right. And why are they being vocal? Cause they're, f- we're finding our voice yeah. in a way that we haven't before. We're over it. Yeah. It's like,
0: let us be human beings. Yeah. Let us be mothers. Yeah. Let us be parents. Let us be fathers. Let yes. us. Yeah. Yeah. Like we need to have our own lives.
2: Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah.
1: Oh, I think so. big time. <laughs> I think okay. big time. Yeah. Um, I know we don't have a lot of time it's together okay. today, so I want to move through some of these questions, but yeah. do you have any advice for people like Meg and I you know, just like when I first sat with you for coaching advice for people starting a spiritual business and how that might differ from a normal. Yeah. Entrepreneurship.
2: Yeah. It's such a good question because I don't really feel like it should differ. Like the foundational piece is literally, I talk about this all the time. We'll talk about the foundational piece. And then the next piece, the foundational piece is getting in alignment with trusting self first, right? Because if you're doing spiritual coaching or any type of energy work, truly the people who are coming in, you're creating this beautiful space of trust and, um, you know, sacred portal for them. And if you don't trust yourself, it's going to be really hard to hold that intention without um, feeling On shaky ground. And so really getting vibrational, vibrationally aligned. How do you want to feel? How do you want it to feel? Not how you want it to look, not what the title of it is, but how do you want it to feel Mm -hmm. when you're sitting with people? Do you want it to feel expansive? Do you want it to feel, um, flexible? Do you want it to feel, you know, even uh, this is something that I work with a lot of people on. Even if it seems shitty, like, do you want to feel like you're an authority? Like, let yourself Feel that in your body. It's okay if you want to feel like an authority. There's a lot of different things and different, you know, we talk about human design all the time. I'm a projector.
0: Manifesting, Manifesting generator.
2: generator and, your proje- and Elise is a projector. So part of being in my full embodiment of a of projector is being seen and mm-hmm. being validated. And so when I do vibrational work, when I feel out of alignment in my business, I have to bring that back in. I have to ask that question do I feel like I'm not being validated somewhere? And people feel afraid to ask those questions because it feels very egoic. Yeah. But when you know more about your structure, it isn't. It's just an observation. And so no matter what type of business, I feel like observe where you're at, what feels hard for you, what feels good for you, what feels easy for you, and how do you want to feel as you're growing this business? So that's that first part, that vibrational foundational part. As you get past that foundational part, I always am such an advocate for like, have good people in place to do the business side. If you're doing an energetic business, this isn't for everybody, but typically the business side is not the strong suit or... It's just not where you want to spend your time. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can do the business stuff. I can yeah. do the accounting. I can do the the um, technical stuff. I know how to do it and I've did it for years. I used to schedule everything on my own. That's so it took up so much time and energy. And when I use started to use a scheduler, it changed my life.
1: <laughs> I was yeah. Like, oh my God. I'm laughing a little bit because as you're talking, I'm like, yeah. yes. Oh my God. Like yeah. I feel that with my business. I'm like, I'm I can do all the things. I'm actually really good with technology, yeah. all the things, but it's not where my energy wants to go. Yeah. I'm like, I am so forgetful with like answering emails, yeah. sending Same. out recordings of sessions, like all the things, the back end yeah. stuff. Yeah. Sending out a newsletter. I've done it like yes. three times in the last year yeah. because I, I flow more when I'm actually like sitting in sessions yes. with someone yeah. sitting across Absolutely. from them. All the other stuff. I'm like, Eh, yes, because that's the human side, that's right? Like Hard work. <laughs> I always
2: feel like I always feel like humans. We're required to use time as a structure, but my authentic self doesn't do well with time. I'm always on time, but like, ask me what day it is. I'm like, I'm not certain. Let me look at my schedule. <laughs> not certain, but I want to talk to the women who hear us saying this. And cannot afford to have any type of assistance because mm-hmm. literally that was me until a year ago. Yeah. One year ago is when I started to put all this in place. And I've been in business now for nine years, nine and a half years. So for the people who are like, Oh, that'd be great, but I can't afford an accountant. I can't afford, you a know, even assistant. to use QuickBooks yeah. or yeah. a, pay for a scheduler, you know, every single month. This is where you start to allow yourself to put that into the stratosphere, right? Start to allow yourself even a couple of minutes a day to sit with, if scheduling is crazy for you, sit with what it might feel like to have that completely off your plate. Just for a minute, bring that into your body, feel what that might feel like. If taxes stress you out and you have to do them yourself right now. And by the way, a big advocate for paying taxes, um, when you have a business, that can be a whole nother podcast. Yeah, But um, allowing yourself to just feel for a moment. It might be five years that you have to do your taxes on your own. It might be seven years before you have a virtual assistant. It's okay. Let yourself continue to let that spark fly into that quantum space. So you align with it every single day, every single week. And then when it does happen, you'll be like, uh-huh, I knew it. I knew this would be good. It you're feels always really telling good. us to surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, you're know, you always saying surrender, like
0: let the universe hold you, like yeah. this will come. But then you also say, you can still be in your
2: human and say, this Hell fucking yes. sucks. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of the time I laugh because I'm like, whenever I say allow yourself to release expectations and surrender, it's a note to self, right? We're all human. No one has this shit figured out. Mm -mm. Like everybody thinks that they can see people who have evolved and whose businesses are growing. And why do you think I still work with a therapist? Why do you think I still work with a mentor? Because I'm human and there's still things that feel hard and there's still Mm -hmm. things that for the rest of my life and the rest of our lives we will be uncovering. And we talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, women losing their voice or having their voice taken away and, you know, a lot of energy around the patriarchy and what that looks like and feels like. And I'm raising a son. Mm-hmm. And so are you. We've so, talked about this before. Yeah. And so it's really been an interesting place to say and feel things like, fuck the patriarchy, and then Fucking also yeah. remember that I'm raising a man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what does that look like to be a conscious male? I only know it from a female perspective. Right. My husband, Grant does a really good job of like allowing, you know, teaching how to be in your power and to be in your emotions. And, but it is, nobody has a handbook for this shit mm-hmm. and every kid is different.
0: We don't know what it looks like for boys. And no. I think honestly, raising, raising a son has allowed me a different perspective Absolutely. Of, of almost compassion of just these poor guys, these poor little boys who are stuck in their adult bodies were never given the grace. Yeah. They were never given the chance. Talk about muting someone's voice I know. and emotions.
2: Well, we know how it projects, right? Yeah. If your voice is muted, typically you're going to mute someone else's. That's right. It, it just there's It's so in-depth. There's so many layers to it that we'll yeah. never uncover. Yeah. But it's definitely something that... um is at the forefront for me because our son's almost 14 mm-hmm. and his independence is growing and yeah, it's just, it's wild.
0: Yeah. It's wild. It really is. And, and really just everything through your experience. And really, I mean, one of the questions I was going to ask was, you know, what's a piece of advice that Kim today would give Kim nine years ago?
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, You've that's touched a, good one. a lot on that already, but yeah, I feel like it's the same thing that Kim today would tell seven-year-old Kim or four-year-old Kim or nine-year-old Kim. Like it really truly is like you're safe. Mm. You're safe. It, it's always about whenever I do inner child work, my inner child always needs to know that she's safe. And that's because I happen to believe it's because of past lives of past lives. And the more and more I open up to this world and I share more and more of my gifts and I watch the women around me opening up more and more to their gifts because of what I've brought in through. I feel like that comes in even more and it's like safety in numbers. And this is all emotional safety, of course, but the way that I, so it's one thing to just say that you're safe. But the way that I allow myself to actually feel safety and know that that is the truth is to be present. And so oftentimes if I'm not present, if I'm too far either out to the future or even sucked into past, I feel really unstable emotionally. Yep. And I have to recognize, and I've done the work to recognize, that's where the unsafety is for me. That's where the, the um, root of unsafety is. And I have to come back to present. And I've talked about this before, but my grandpa Vern taught me, first of all, he taught me meditation, but he also taught me to ask the question, like in this moment, like in this second, are you safe? Do you have everything you need in this second? Not today, not in this house, not, but in a millisecond, do you have everything you need? And so there has been times, I think I was telling you, I can't remember, but there have been times, um... Where because of his advice, I have used the mantra over and over of this is temporary. This is temporary. This is temporary. I have what I need. And I want to get a permanent tattoo that says this is temporary. Should. And I think it's really funny because, of course, You should it's get a it in tattoo. His handwriting. Ironic. I don't do you have, do that? Yeah, I, I don't have his handwriting, though. You know not need notes from him? That would be so pretty. I But I that's do. just irony. Yeah, right? That
0: because, I mean, I've learned that from you, too. And I can't tell you how calm that saying and I pass that it makes me so calm in my body, but I pass that message along too, even to my sister. Yeah. When she's really like we all spiral. Of course. And I'm like, bring yourself back to present. I mean you've taught me so much and that I mean that mantra alone just yeah that could that could yeah.
2: I talk to people about starting to recognize when you're what I call at the outer rim which is that place where you're only asking questions and you're not getting any answers, but you keep asking questions. We all know it so well <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that um, the process that I've created and that has worked for me and so many people is to use logic to bring yourself back to center and then breath to get back into self. So like if you're way out here at the outer rim asking all the questions, what if I fail? What if he gets hurt? What if, what if, what if? then I want you to use logic and answer those questions. Mm -hmm. If you're in a spiral of just uh, asking questions with no answers, you have to create an answer. And this is how we stretch the context. So if if there's a like, maybe there's a big opportunity and the question is like, oh my gosh, but what if I fail? And what if they don't like me? And what if it doesn't work out? What if I'm only there for two months? And all these things, you're at the outer rim. And I want you to use logic to answer those questions. What if you do fail? what is the answer? Typically the answer is like, I'll try again. It gets you closer to self.
1: Literally, I use that tactic or I don't know what you want to call it, but I use that practice. with so many things, that practice. And even like if I'm talking to my sister and she's venting to me about something, I'm like, okay, but what's the yeah. truth? Yes. And I, I've, I've gotten that from you and it's been so helpful yeah. for myself and for other people. It just kind of like brings you back to now, like yes, you are saying. that's
2: right. Yeah, that, The one that you're talking about too, this is the same process, but Ramona, back to Ramona. She, mm-hmm. in a really, really difficult time in my life about two years ago, I was spiraling and she's the first person I called for a lot of reasons. But anyway, she, um, gave me this as I was spiraling, as I was like, what am I going to do? And this isn't true. And blah, 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 blah. And I was literally like in that space of panic. She was like, okay. I want you to look at the nucleus of the truth, not all the stories because you're in the stories right now. What is the truth? And the truth was this person said this thing in this group. That's the truth. That's just the truth. The stories that I created from that, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, took me a thousand miles away from myself. And so that practice of like, what is the nucleus of the truth That doesn't mean you can't look at the stories, but when you center in the nucleus of the truth, then you can actually just observe the stories and not embody them. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge difference because when we embody the stories, we are in panic mode. We feel our body change. We're in fight or flight. Our breath gets short. We're flushed. We're sweating. It feels like we're um, – I mean, it's fight or flight is what it is. Nervous system shut down. And that nucleus of the truth always helps get back to like breath.
0: And right. all of those practices and techniques that you're talking about, that is perfect mindful self-care for any entrepreneur because yeah, when you put yourself out there, when you're a public figure, mm-hmm. you're open to all of it. Yeah. And you, you know, those experiences really help build that armor yeah. for you to keep going.
2: I will tell you that truthfully, I've had now that I've been on a lot of podcasts, I've had a question asked of like, who are the people in your life that have changed the trajectory? And most of them are the ones that made me crumble. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. I have two, two specific people that in the moment when our interactions happened, I, were like, I was like, this, they are the worst. This is toxic. This is, and now I thank them. Truthfully, in my own practice, it's not even like snarky, like, and now I'm just, thank you for, no. I literally am like, oh my god! Thank you for opening up that layer. Yep. Most of the time, it has forced me to get into a more clear truth. Yep. Of like, okay, why is this triggering me so much? Like the the instance that I was talking about with Ramona, what triggered me there is that um, I couldn't defend my truth, and what it helped me move through was a space of like, wait a second. And you guys have heard me say this now for years. Like, I'm not here to convince anyone.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I have to believe my own authenticity. Mm -hmm. We're not here to convince. And this is for all entrepreneurs, all people. If you are in the convincing space energetically, you're trying to – this is for everything, relationships, business, fill in the blank. It's a place to adjust. And we know the difference in our body between if we are chasing or if we're aligning, if we are trying to convince – somebody that we are great or convince people that we are professional enough or convince people that we have a space here, whatever it is, it's like, feel what that feels like in your body. Does it feel good or does it feel like shit? It's like panic mode. It's panic mode. It is. Spider flight.
0: Oh, that vibration. I hate that. I do not like being on that vibration No one one likes it. I know. But once you actually recognize what that feels like in your body and you've taught us this is you're you're you allow us to connect to our body and we understand what that does yeah. so when those feelings come up we're like i see you yeah you're this guy yep. i don't like this guy i know yeah
2: and then too it's like the next level to that is where do you feel it in your body mm-hmm. right if you're mm-hmm. feeling it in your belly then you do some intentional breath work or intentional focus to nurture that space in your body to let it release yeah envision that you're breathing it out whatever there's it's it's crazy. We all experience it, though. That's the yeah, thing. Yep. Yep. So once makes you us release, human.
0: yeah, and once you release it, you have this beautiful perspective of gratitude, like what you were saying. We've all experienced that in our lives, and I'm sure you know many who are listening to this. You experience this once you can get to that moment of gratitude for that pain. You, I am a firm believer that you do not grow. Unless you've gone through some pains, some yeah. obstacles, those experiences, it's not failure. Right. I don't believe in failure. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You know,
0: it's like you have success and you learn, and maybe you have the opposite of success, but it's still learning experience, yeah. and you're still growing because yeah. of it. So, just to have those techniques and those practices is is beautiful self care, and really helps you in the moments where it's it's harder in the obstacles. Yeah,
2: so. I always tell people too. It's like the the sooner as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you can get comfortable with the Truth that we are going to fail and we're also going to be wildly successful. Mm -hmm. It's never, ever, ever going to be one or the other. Yeah. It isn't. Yeah. We have to be okay with what we call failure. And that's literally the steps that take us to wild success for sure. We can fail at wild success too. It's... It's all a shit show.
0: I know. I know, but we're all in it together. <laughs> but it's amazing. Yes, I love it. This I is what never,
1: we
2: wanted you on. Like, yeah.
1: share your, your wealth of yeah. knowledge. I know. Where do you see your business growing from here?
2: So, you know, I tend to not future cast too much right. because I feel like that puts me in a box. It yep. really is a long time ago. Elise, I think you were in that. I was in a course with Melanie and Lair, mm-hmm. and she talked about Making sure we stretch the context, the and context expanding yeah. the context and allowing yourself to sit in legacy vibration instead of like, I want to make this much by this month or I want to do this thing by this place. But when I speak in the most general terms, I know that I will be in front of a lot more people, whether that's on stage or whether that's speaking or whether that's um, having a hand in creating, um, Retreats, there's a lot of space for me, and right now I'm being really, really pulled to vibrational business. I love that we're talking about this because I'm just throughout my nine years in this business, I've seen the waves change and I've seen people go from needing that EFT tapping to really wanting to know more about their energy forecast and like what's coming up for me and where can I evolve and that type of thing always the medium work, of course. And what I'm seeing right now is that people are tired of being in the construct, not everybody, but a large portion of the collective is tired of being in the construct of um, corporate. And I think the pandemic is the thing that unlocked that. People got used to working at home and having some flexibility and some fluidity. And so a large portion of my business right now, well not a large portion, a portion it's equal, um, is soul business vibration, getting in alignment alignment with like, I'm ready to do the next thing, but I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. And so we know like, if it's, if it's just, I'm ready to do the next thing, what we're actually vibrating is I'm done with this thing. Yeah. And so it's always, I've, I've talked to both of you about this, but it's always about, well, let's go ahead and close this thing then and start to focus on this next thing. And that doesn't mean you have to just be like, I'm quitting today, and I hope that the net is there. From a business standpoint, I never recommend that, ever. Unless, there's always exceptions. right? But I always am like, well, yes, if you're vibrationally sound, if you are so secure, but if somebody's jumping off in the business realm just because they don't want to be there anymore... Sometimes people will say, I always do best in sink or swim. And I say, then we have some trauma to release. Mm, yep. That's survival. Yep. Right. And there's a, th- a more fluid way. Again, this isn't for everybody, but what I see in the collective, there's there's a more fluid way to do it. It's But you have to trust yourself. I can't wait to see what you do.
0: We're going to be right there next to you. You need anything? I can't wait to see what you both do. Are you kidding? It's going to be a good time. You're doing it. Yes. All thanks to you. And we appreciate your time so much. Of course. Obviously, to all of our friends listening, uh, we will share with you how to get in contact with Kim if you want to book a session with her, which we highly advise. (laughs) And we thank you so, so much for your time today. I
2: love you both so much. We We love love you, you too.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Connection Podcast. Any resources mentioned in this episode will be listed in the show notes.
1: If you like this episode, hit the plus sign button and leave us a review or share this episode with a friend. As always, if you have any questions or curiosities
0: about topics discussed on this podcast, be sure to reach out to us.
1: Meet us back here next week for a new episode on The Connection Podcast.